Girls episode four. This time it's personal. I'm Jacqueline, your host, and with me as always is my co-host. Hi, I'm Janie, the co-host. My fellow host, whatever you want to call yourself these days. I I am the podcast hostess. You're the hostess. I'm the hostess. Nothing. And the hostess trolley just rolling around. Is that a is that a train? No, it's like a little. Um, it's just like um, a trolley with like an electric heater in it to keep food in, so it stays warm. I had no idea. I thought that those. I have no idea what you're talking about. Actually, this must be a British thing. It, um, yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> I was like a trolley. Are you talking about like a? That's. I know British people call those trains, but anyway. What? <laughs> Wait. You know no, what? British we don't people have, we... call trains trolleys, right? Or buses trolleys? No. Trolleys what's are like trolley? the the basket on wheels that you take in the supermarket. What then? What's the trolley problem? Well, that's for like, um, it's trains, right? It's like trams, I think. Oh, oh, of course, the vastly different things of trains and trams. Those are different things. Okay, sure, British. Let's... Do we do we want to restart? <laughs> this is a car crash. <laughs> if you say so. I kind of like it, but it's up to you. I mean, we could just keep going. Hello, everyone. Welcome to... <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, we're here. Jane, what did you think of the chapters this week? Uh, I think that I don't remember the chapters, so you should summarize them for me so I can gather my thoughts. You're right. You're Wait, so right. I'm, I'm doing the However... God damn it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Unwise Girl. <laughs> oh, God. Um, let's talk about our chapters this week. We had some dense puppies. Yeah, the thing is that, like, the last sets of chapters, like, each four kind of formed their own little narrative arc. So, like, the first four was, like, Percy getting to Camp Half-Blood, and then the next four was him getting, like, getting to grips with being there and then the next four was like just dicking around in the outskirts of new york and now like every chapter is its own narrative arc so they're a lot longer yeah it's becoming a bit more difficult but i believe in your skills thank you uh also thank you for editing like a quarter of this summary out (laughs) it's no problem i i i do what i can to please our people your your services are appreciated Okay. Chapter 13. I plunge to my death. While on the Amtrak to Denver, Annabeth assures Percy that despite being wanted by the authorities, mortal police can't catch him. Probably. Annabeth hears Percy talking to the mysterious figure in the pit in his sleep, and asks him about it when he wakes up. But the gang can only conclude that it might be Hades. Annabeth then suggests that Hades is planning to bribe Percy by returning his mother, leading to a conversation about how Annabeth wouldn't do the same for her father, who was such a shitty dad that she ran away from home to Camp Half-Blood. The team arrive in San Luis, where Annabeth muses that she'd one day like to become an architect and build something like the city's landmark, the Gateway Arch. 
They decide to go sightseeing at the Arch, and while in an underground tunnel, discuss Hades' Helm of Darkness, an item like Annabeth's invisibility hat that allows him to go undetected, and how it may have helped him steal the lightning bolt. After a few minutes at the top of the Arch, a ranger announces that it is closing, and the trio prepare to leave. Grover and Annabeth get into an elevator, but there's no room for Percy, so they go without him, leaving him alone with a creepy old woman who has a chihuahua. Unfortunately, both of them turn out to be monsters. The dog transforms into a chimera, while the old woman reveals herself to be Echidna, the mother of monsters. Percy is terrified, but tries to protect the mortals who are also on the arch. This goes incredibly badly for him, and he ends up being bitten and poisoned by the chimera. Echidna then mocks Percy for having no faith in the gods, and goads him into throwing himself off the arch and into the Mississippi, in the hopes that Poseidon may rescue him. With no other option, Percy does just that. Chapter 14. I Become a Known Fugitive Thankfully, this works out for Percy. He doesn't die when he hits the water, and in fact his injuries are miraculously healed. And he learns that when underwater, anything he touches remains dry. While he's experimenting with his powers, he has an encounter with a mysterious water spirit, sent by Poseidon. She informs Percy that his father wants him to go to Santa Monica Beach before he enters Hades, and also warns him not to trust the gifts. Before Percy can ask for more information, she leaves because the river is too polluted for her to stay. Percy climbs out of the river and tracks down Grover and Annabeth, who both agree that they need to get the hell out of town after he tells them what happened. As the team leaves, they overhear a news report blaming Percy for the destruction at the top of the arch. Chapter 15. A God Buys Us Cheeseburgers the trio arrive in Denver. They're broke, dirty, and out of options. Using a DIY car wash, Grover produces a small rainbow, which Annabeth explains can be used to send messages via the god of rainbows, Iris. They contact Camp Halfblood, and Luke is the one who receives their message. However, only Percy is able to talk to him because there's a noisy car the others have to deal with. Luke explains the grim situation at Camp Halfblood. After word got out about the brewing war, the kids are broadly divided into two factions. Ares, Aphrodite, and Apollo kids backing Poseidon, while Athena cabin has allied with Zeus, and fights have broken out between the sides. Luke agrees with Annabeth and Grover's theory that Hades must have used the Helm of Darkness to steal the bolt, as whoever took it would, have ne would need to have been invisible. He then clarifies that he doesn't mean it could have been Annabeth, who's like a little sister to him, and signs off by giving Percy a message to pass on to Grover, that nobody will turn into a tree this time, whatever that means. Grover and Annabeth then return, and Percy tells them jack shit about the conversation. The team then heads to a diner, where a scary biker offers to buy their food. As he sits down with them, Percy feels himself getting irrationally angry, and it quickly transpires that this is Ares, the god of war. He asks them to go on a quest to a nearby abandoned water park to retrieve his shield, and although Percy is reluctant, they accept so that they don't have another god pissed at them. Plus, Ares offers money, supplies, transports, and information about Percy's mother as a reward. The gang arrive at the park, steal some clothes and souvenirs from the gift shop, then make their way to the Tunnel of Love while discussing Ares' girlfriend, Aphrodite, the goddess of love, who's been dating Ares despite being married to Hephaestus, who constantly tries to catch them in the act. They reach the dried up Tunnel of Love and go into the boat to retrieve Ares' shield and Aphrodite's scarf, when a Hephaestus-made net trap goes off, with cameras broadcasting live to Olympus and robot spiders flooding in, which freak Annabeth out. Percy harnesses his developing water powers to burst some pipes, flood the pool, and get out of the way of the cameras while shorting out the spiders. They manage to escape after shooting through the tunnel, nearly being killed by the boat crash, and getting rescued by Grover before heading back to Ares. Chapter 16. We take a zebra to Las Vegas. 
Percy confronts Ares for making the trio walk into what he clearly knew was a trap. Ares acts rather nonplussed about Percy's impudence, although Annabeth warns Percy that it will have consequences, and gives the three of them their reward for the mission. A bag containing a change of clothes each, $20, a pouch of drachma, and a packet of double-stuffed Oreos. He also directs them to the back of a truck that's being used to illegally smuggle circus animals as their transport west. Before he leaves, Ares drops the bombshell that Percy's mother isn't actually dead. She was taken just before the Minotaur killed her by some kind of external force. Percy is shaken by this news, but has little time to process it, instead having to hop aboard the truck before the people driving it come back. On the truck, the gang settle in and do what they can to help the mistreated animals be more comfortable. Annabeth tells Mercy that her arachnophobia is due to Arachne, a woman Athena cursed to become a spider who now directs her children to harass Athena's kids. Percy then tells them about what Luke said, which leads to the full story about how Annabeth ran away from home, met Luke and Thalia, and they travelled together until Grover, who was dispatched to bring Thalia, a daughter of Zeus, back, found them. Unfortunately, they were slowed down and attacked by the Furies before they could cross the boundary into Camp Halfblood, and Thalia sacrificed herself to buy the others time. Annabeth and Percy console Grover, who has been branded a disgrace, and when Grover falls asleep, Annabeth tells Percy about how her father tried to make amends, but it didn't work out because of how his new wife treated her. The two agree that they won't fight because they're friends no matter what kind of war plays out, and everyone goes to sleep. While asleep, Percy has a dream about Talia, before moving back to the voice in the pit that he's dreamt of previously. This time, he can hear it discussing the theft of the lightning bolt with a familiar voice that Percy can't quite place. The voice from the pit, which the accomplice identifies as the Crooked One, realises that Percy is there and shows him a vision of his mother trapped in a throne room before Percy rots away and is attacked by skeletons. Percy is then woken by Grover, who is worried that the men driving the truck are about to come around the back and check on the animals as they've just stopped in Las Vegas. The animals, who can all speak to Grover and the zebra, who is able to speak to Percy, because Poseidon invented horses and zebras are close enough, each beg the kids to set them free. After distracting the drivers, they do just that, but not before Grover imparts a blessing to the animals to ensure they won't just die in the desert before finding somewhere suitable to live. The team wander Las Vegas before coming to the Lotus Hotel and Casino, where they're invited in and given a Lotus cash card that supplies them with a free, awesome hotel room and a free, awesome video game room. They're sucked in and playing their various games until Percy realises something's wrong. A lot of the kids have outfits that seem like they're from a different time period, and he soon realises that the casino is trapping kids in an eternal gaming hole. He remembers the important things he's supposed to be doing, and barely manages to snap his friends out of their euphoric haze so they can escape. He checks the newspaper as he leaves, and luckily it's still the same year, but it's been a full week since they've entered the casino, and they now only have one day left until the solstice. So, what did you think of these chapters? Woo, those were some... Those were, in fact, some dense puppies. They, they the... were... Very hefty boys. Uh, I I would see these chapters and I would say, Queen, may I help you lift these? <laughs> the... <laughs> they look so heavy. Um, and Rick, those look heavy. Let me carry them for you. <laughs> That's what I see when I see like old man Rick Riordan walking through the store. He's like carrying twenty seven like cases of water, and I'm like, <laughs> Rick, please. King, let me carry. Let me carry those for you. <laughs> yeah, these were good chapters. I thought they were all like they're like cool little stories about. Yeah, definitely. Everything good we've seen so far basically was in these chapters, and it kind of like brought some new flair to it as well. 
But yeah, let's take it from the top, maybe. Let's just start with the first chapter. And Yeah. Uh, why don't so we talk for- about Percy's stepfather accusing him of being a, a, like, a murdering criminal who hijacked a bus? Yeah, the ongoing like Percy escape convict storyline is ridiculously funny. It's incredible. He's he goes from punk kid to maybe killed his mother to destroyed like a bus to terrorist who blew up the Gateway Arch. God, it's it makes you wonder. Like it makes you wonder what the passengers on the bus saw again. Like because if. If it, it couldn't have just been like them seeing him beating up old ladies with Uzis, because well, then it, that would have been like, would no, have been it, like hero. That has kid. to be it. It's the picture of him. Like it specifies that you can see his sword, but it's so blurry that it looks like he's holding like an al- an aluminium baseball bat or something. Oh, okay. I here, my my take on it is that like they thought the old ladies were like being harassed by the kids. That makes sense. We're now getting into discussions about the last chapters, but how did they view, like, the two who died? Who, like, crumbled to dust? What did they see? Did they Uh, just see Percy smacked them in the head with a baseball bat and laid them out? Yeah, they saw Percy just, like, beat their heads with a baseball bat. It was (laughs) horrifying. (laughs) Truly a terrifying moment for everyone. Everyone was scarred by the villainous child on the- the villainous 12-year-old on the bus. It's true. I'm also confused about why Gabe is offering a cash reward for his capture. Why does he give a shit? It seems, I mean, it seems like he would try to, like, cash in yeah. on it. Like a, like, he, he would be, like, on Jeremy Kyle, or Dr. Phil is the American equivalent. Yeah, you go on Dr. Phil, and the headline would be, like, my screwed up stepson. And, like, exactly. it'd be, like, yeah, he go My on. My stepson Percy Maury. joined the Proud Boys. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! <sighs> I don't want to talk about this book as like an alt right pipeline narrative. It's, <laughs> it's horrifying to think of. Let's try and go one week without without getting into that shit. <laughs> one week, if we can. can- Chiron's not here. We don't need to talk about his all right YouTube channel. We don't need to talk about the weirdly fashy horse. Yeah. The fascist piss horse. Fascist piss horse with his I guess funny all, pee box. All horses are piss horses, but still. Mm, they don't they don't like roll around with their pee boxes like le- just like disintegrating their legs off in them, though. <laughs> yeah, good point. Part of the I- Part of the idea that was presented in these chapters was that, like, it it kind of made you think a lot more about the mist as a concept. Yeah. Because, because like, like we get this information that, like, the mortals kind of cause the mist on their own, partially, the, the, because they're, like, you know, like, they, they are on their online, they are on their laptops, on their phones, they are disconnected yeah. from the real world. There's a bit like that quite specifically points that out in chapter fourteen, where Percy's like dragging himself out of the river, and like this little girl is pointing at him and going, "Oh, mum, look! This weird dry child has climbed out of the river," and the mum is just not paying attention. She's just like looking at the news. 
Yeah, and it's the same in the chapter before that, where it's like, or the same chapter, but earlier on, or wait, 13, 14, 15, 16, I don't know, um, the, the previous chapter, where it's mm -hmm. like, <clears throat> it's like, they're just like on the bus again, or like a different, or a train, and it's like, Percy sees like something outside of the train, and he's like, maybe somebody saw that, but everybody's just on their phones, on their laptops. To they're too busy reading Percy Jackson, the Lightning Thief. They're too they're too busy reading like Harry Potter. To oh god, oh it's the mid two thousands. They mean, would be. They would be. Everybody on that bus is like, "Wow, the Deathly Hollows." It, <laughs> it, it really makes you think. The... Uh, <laughs> There's not really a lot to say about the part where they're on the train. To be honest. No, uh, I mean, we get some nice, like, in the this whole lead-up segment, we get a lot of, like, nice interactions between Annabeth and Percy, which honestly makes up a lot of these four chapters, like, a lot of the emotional yeah, content. There's a lot of really good, like, character-building stuff in here. We learn more about, like, Annabeth's life before she came to Camp Half-Blood, why she left home, what her relationship with her dad was like. Mm -hmm. What do you What do you think about that stuff? Uh... I really like it as like a way to keep the more fantastical stuff grounded by giving it like you know really like believable human drama to characters like Annabeth because it it you know it means that we're not going completely off into fantasy land and it also explains again why she's so into this idea of being a daughter of Athena and living up to that only yeah, very much so. Like we we were talking last episode, I believe, about like how Annabeth seems to aspire to be like this ideal Greek hero. Yeah, and it makes sense. Like hearing more about like I guess her home life, like why she would want to throw herself onto this concept. Yeah, exactly. A, a Greek hero doesn't have to deal with like their dad not caring about them, or like their stepmom being like abusive. Yeah, exactly. You can just go and kill some monsters. Yeah. Or build and, a big arch. Or make a builder arch. And what was the city that it's that, that it's in? Uh, San Luis. San Luis? I mean, is it that or is it St. Louis? It's St. Louis. Oh. But I, it, it, it really tickled me to hear you say San Luis. God damn it. I live I, near France. I, that they always they're always saying shit like that. They're always saying weird shit like like oh we oui, we oui, the Saint Louis River and You know what actually I'm I'm gonna look this up and see if that's part of America that was bought off the French and I can therefore get Saint Louis. Okay. Then I, I will hear nothing against my pronunciation. I I will hear against it personally. Damn it. I think what's also good about the Annabeth stuff is that while it is grounded, we also are very much getting it from her, like, 12-year-old perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sh like I've, I think when I was a kid, I was just like, wow, her dad sucks. And, like, her dad does seem like he sucks. He but does, also, yeah. I'm, I'm reading it now as, like, an, an like a 22-year-old or whatever, and I'm kind of, I can see, like, oh, there's some, like, actual nuance behind the situation that's, like, implied by what she's saying. Yeah, like... Whatever way you slice it, it still sucks for Annabeth, but I think especially we see later that, like, her dad is not unrepentantly evil. Yeah, he's he's not 
a Gabe. He's not a yeah. He's not a don't say Dudley. He's also don't. not a Sally. <laughs> he's also not a Sally. He's yeah. He's just a person who's messed he's up with a, his kid. A person who one time did it with a god without protection. And who among us? <laughs> who among us would not? Um, do do the Greek gods know about contraception? I feel like this would solve a lot of their problems. Hmm. Yes, but they ch- they think it's hotter not to use it. <laughs> uh, uh, well, you just made me think the incredibly cursed sentence: Zeus has a breeding kink. Oh God! <laughs> I think my favorite part about Hades is that. <laughs> My favorite part about Hades is that it implies that Zeus has like made up all of this stuff about like being like having sex with everyone. Wait, what? Because like Demeter talks to you and he's like, and she's like, "Have you heard my my Zeus say all of his BS about how he's like sown his seed across half the countryside? It's all lies." Wait, so he's lying and about the-, the fact that he repeatedly cheats on his wife? <laughs> I, I think he might be that kind of guy. I don't know, though. Um, he does seem like a dick, both in Hades and in this. Yeah. And this is also where we get the really nice, like, chariot, like, thing. I... Which is like... <laughs> what's up? This is... Okay, you're right. This is a really nice moment for, like, their bond and pointing out that, yeah, they can work together if they want to. But also, like... What... What was Athena expecting to do with a chariot if horses didn't exist yet? That's just a plank with some wheels on it that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> if if people pull it, though. <laughs> you know I mean, rich guess it's like that. That's, that's kind of fucked, though. <laughs> they had like, slaves back then, so I'm sure that's kind of... Annabeth's mom owned slaves. I, I don't know if that's correct, but I, I'm sure she accounted for the idea <laughs> of slaves. Or, like, yeah. really poor people. Like, I mean, really this, poor people who would be, like... The city that's named for her did have a shitload of slaves, so... That's very true. <laughs> uh, I Then we get to St. Louis. And San Louis. Yeah, we get to San Louis. <laughs> and... But it, you've never been to the United Americas, right? I have steered well clear. Good. <laughs> I I have not only been to the United Americas, I have been uh, to this very state and to this very city. Oh, how is it? I, it's pretty. There are a lot of nice... Actually, the city itself isn't very pretty. But there are a <laughs> lot of nice um, hills and cliff sides that look like the rocks are really nice looking. <laughs> like I, oh, that's I just, neat. Yeah. At least from a, like a southern drive-in. But I, I also visited the arch. Oh, well, cool! Yeah, is the is the hole still there in the wall? Yeah, the hole is still there. <laughs> um, I I was actually there. I was in like the underground like passageway that they went through in the book, and I heard some kids talking. And they were like, "Hades, hell of darkness." <laughs> That's not quite true. <laughs> but I did go on the arch, and I went like ar- on it and stuff. I didn't. I don't know if there was like a what you call it, like a balcony or anything to see from. But I just like went up through it and like went on this like weird like elevator that carries you up and you get to like look outside of it while you're like at the top of the arch. 
-hmm. it's really cool um i was in there with like some teen japanese tourists who yeah like i guess it's just like if you if you're if you're visiting you want to go see the big arch you want to go and see the big half mcdonald's sign they have yeah and in jesus (laughs) including annabeth who who really wanted to go see the arch yeah i i I really like that um like as as we were talking about before like her leaning into wanting to be like uh, you know very much like athena's kid not her dad's that she's not just into like strategy and war and stuff, but also the architecture stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's just really nice attention to detail. It's kind of like interesting because she's very, so far been a character who's very focused on like battling, questing, being like a smart strategist and a combatant. But like the the layer of like she wants to be an architect is kind of like a nice little like fleshing out for her. Yeah, it gives her a, a bit of depth. Yeah, and. She really wants to go on this arch, and I I sympathize, but as much of a horrible colonial colonial symbol it is, but I, and Wait, I, can kind of, I mean it's a it's a monument in America, of course it is. Oh yeah, um, that makes sense actually. And but the arch is really big, <laughs> and when you go into it, you are in the sky. Annabeth was like just talking the other chapter about like, like Percy. No, we can't take planes. That'll be high up in the air. Yeah, actually, I remember that kind of weirding me out when um, I first read it. Like, shouldn't Percy be like, absolutely not? I'm not going anywhere near that thing. Yeah, and he's just like, sure, whatever. <laughs> he doesn't have like a. He's not like. Did, weren't you just warning me up about? about weren't you just warning me up about putting on these shoes? No, he's just like, no, I'm going to go into the sky. I'm going to get in this metal box, which takes me into the sky where the lightning God wants to kill me. Oh, it's terrifying. I was so sure that there was going to be like the thunder starts pouring in and Zeus just like strikes him right out of the sky. They're like right <laughs> on the arch. But I mean, functionally we- that's what ends up happening. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. Um, we get a we get a rather interesting villain here. Uh, she it sure it sure does describe her as fat repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we uh. hey, <laughs> look. We have another fat character. Wow, and she has coffee stained teeth and a dress that bulges like a blimp. I'm sure she won't be a monster. Rick, Rick, you gotta you gotta fix this, Rick please but i i actually kind of like her as a villain um yeah she's like this weird old lady and they first see her like on the way up because she's just like in the the carriage or whatever with them going up and percy Mm -hmm. sees her dog and is like oh and she's like oh sonny now be quiet and he's like oh is his name sonny and she's like nope (laughs) then just the conversation is over and then the dog hat. Oh god, it's like extremely good stuff. Um, I love the I dog's wish... collar. Chimera, rabid, fire-breathing, poisonous. If found, please call Tartarus. <laughs> yeah, I. I wish I had the number for Tartarus. I feel like I know some people who would go well in there. But it's really fun. Um, other than like what we said, or like she's the fun villain because she's the most like 
not the most talkative or anything like that, but like Medusa was kind of talkative, but also not the most threatening. Mm-hmm. Like, she was she was defeated by a flying goat. Yeah, and Percy just lopped her head off pretty easily. Yeah. Here we've got like Echidna, the mother of monsters. Who who kicks the shit out of Percy. Yeah, and she's like she like scoffs, like you have no faith in the god like the gods are faithless is a line that she says. Mm-hmm. And that like is sick. It she's mostly cool. I do I I lost my shit when she introduces herself as Echidna and Percy replies, isn't that a kind of anteater? Yeah, it's a very funny <laughs> battle too. Because yeah. she's like, No, I hate those New Zealanders or whatever. <laughs> they ruined uh, my life. They ruined my life. Um and we get the fact that like she was sent by Zeus. Yeah, like what a dick. Zeus is such a dick. He's sending like the world's worst monsters after Percy. He's sending a giant fire-breathing lion with a poisonous snake for a tail to kill a 12-year-old child. That will almost inevitably kill a bunch of other people in the process. Yeah. <laughs> and after that battle, we get we get Percy's first attempt at like making intentional connection with Poseidon. Mm-hmm. It's not like heartwarming exactly, but it's like it's like Percy is allowing himself to open up a new like dynamic to his relationship with his dad who he doesn't know. Yeah, and it's also a sign of him like becoming more comfortable in this world, which I think we get a lot of in these chapters of him just kind of finding his bearings. Yeah, so we we do get that and we get our first he, um one of our first instances of that here with him just deciding to jump into the river. Yeah. <laughs> I it's, I just realized that this is part of like a small pattern that forms in these chapters of Rick shrugging his shoulders and going like, eh, close enough. <laughs> like, like does, he jumps into the river and is saved by the sea god because, eh, it's water, good enough. And then he can talk to a zebra because I guess a zebra kind of looks like a horse. If you squint. <laughs> yeah, it's it makes you... I, like, I don't know if there, I'm sure there's like a proper, like, god of wa- rivers or something like that. Or like a, you know, somebody who's like got dominion over rivers in Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. But it's like, do you really want to go into that right now? Like, because there's a point in these chapters where it feels like, are we like getting like needless references to Greek mythology or is this clever? And I feel like this is a point where it's like, if they put in like, oh, I'm sent by the god of rivers, that would be a little bit too much. Yeah, it'd be a little bit too much to keep track of. Yeah, kids would just be like, well, Poseidon's the god of water, right? So why is the Poseidon? <laughs> I, a 22-year-old, would also probably say that. Yeah, probably. I I love how, like, glib the, the bit where he's in the river is. Like, the, the kind of shit that Percy's saying to himself makes me think that he needs therapy. <laughs> like, damn, I might as well die like this. It, it, he literally, he, I felt like drowning myself, the only problem, I was immune to drowning. That's scary. Like, kid. <laughs> I'm wor- I like, that, like, that did touch my heart. That's like, Percy, you're not doing okay, man. I, I'm yeah. care, I, I care about you. Get some help. Talk to your friends. Maybe I should just stay down here with the catfish, join the rest of the bottom feeders. God, and like, (laughs) 
This is like, I assume this is like his emotional low point of the book, right? He, I would assume so. Yeah, he's he dunks himself into a river to escape a monster when he knows that like the monster is probably going to kill people while he's gone mm-hmm. because he's been hurt. And that, I'm sure and it's like, oh, he's acting like cowardly, um, even though he's not really. Um, yeah. I mean, if he'd stayed up there, he would have died. Yeah. He wouldn't have like been able to save anyone else if he stayed up there. He just would have yeah, died instantly, basically. Been incinerated. Yeah. The he opens his mouth to talk in the Mississippi River. That's disgusting. <laughs> like I have to imagine all that like gross river water is like going into his mouth. And I, is it? Because it says that like he stays dry. So is there just like a fil- a film over his mouth? I guess that could be it, but I assumed he was like breathing the water or something. Oh ew, ew. Yeah, I I'm I, I like your idea better. <laughs> um we get a we get a fun little America tour here. Um throughout these yeah. chapters. It's like a real like road trip book as well as like a I don't know, why regular YA novel. It's also like friends going on a road trip. Yeah, because like this book is has is mostly like getting to Camp Half Blood, hanging around in Camp Half Blood, and then I assume after this lot of chapters, it'll just be like you know the finale, like going to Hades and then from there to Olympus. Yeah, but like in a, in a very short space of time, it builds up enough like little encounters to make it feel like a much longer journey. Yeah, we hit St. Louis, we hit Denver, we get Las Vegas, we get all the big spots. <laughs> like denver um (laughs) town everyone cares about Um, apologies to all of our listeners from denver apologies the only town that i can ever remember from colorado is boulder because that was in a stephen king book i don't even know if that's a real place unfortunately the only all i know about colorado is that that's where south park takes place and that's given me a very negative view of that state is that real yeah Come on down to South Park, Colorado, and have ourselves time. Uh. <laughs> uh. I've, I've yeah. written here, Percy is Aquaman, but based. <laughs> like he, his, his water powers are cool, and he can talk to, well, not fish, but water spirits. Yeah, he has a fun little conversation with a water spirit. Um, yeah. Uh, my nickname for this week should have been... Uh, the sexy water spirit you only see when you're about to die underwater. <laughs> but, um, yeah. What do you do? You have any thoughts about this part of the book? About this part specifically? Uh, yeah. Just like one thing I wanted to say about like um, the end of this chapter, which is like five lines about them just going to the train station and escaping. And I just appreciate yeah. like how economical that is in terms of storytelling. Yeah, we don't have to be like, oh, they they carefully snuck through the alleyways and and they they did their best to hide amongst the whenever somebody came up they they didn't let anyone see them and it's just like yeah they got they there all, they all put on a baseball cap sunglasses and a leather jacket which makes you invisible as we all know they all put on their fake mustaches. <laughs> Grover Grover put on his real mustache because he is 40 years old. 
<laughs> Someone please shave Grover. Please, he needs it so badly. He is simply small. Uh, the next chapter, we get the, the, very, the very fun little... Uh, I actually really want to hear your thoughts on the conversation with Luke here. Uh, Luke is the villain. You think you still think Luke's the villain? Luke is dropping red flags everywhere he walks. He's like, um, I, one of my notes literally just says, "Fucking horseshit!" Definitely the villain. <laughs> and I mean, he, but he's helping us. He's, you know, he's giving us good advice. He's saying, like, <laughs> you know, Hades must have helped out. You know, he or. Hades must have gone into the throne room invisibly. But wait, don't listen to that part. It definitely wasn't Annabeth. <laughs> it's extremely suspicious. And he's like, you know, I know you've heard some suspicious things from Hades' henchmen, but don't think about that too hard. It's probably just a trick. I'm don't... sure it's fine. <laughs> he's, he also uh, insists that Percy should use the flying shoes, which just absolutely the nail in the coffin. <laughs> Percy, please put on my flying shoes. There isn't gl- there. I don't. I didn't put glue in them. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, it's. I, I feel like this falls into the same category as a lot of like, like the foreshadowing for Medusa. Mm-hmm. Like this is, you know, for for us as very clever, very well-read people, <laughs> we know what's happening. But like. This is great foreshadowing if you're a kid. It is. Uh, I, like, I don't think is, I expected that very much. Yeah, this is all stuff that you would absolutely pick up on a reread and be like, oh. It's a very clever little writing. Um, yeah. We get some information about like the gods and stuff and like what sides they're on here. Mm-hmm. I still that's... really love like the, the mini politics in Camp Half-Blood. That's just such a cool idea. Yeah, because like not only are the gods aligning with um, either Zeus or Poseidon, but also the the children of those gods are like fighting because of that. Yeah, I mean it's kind of weird that like it's just all of the cabins at Camp Half Blood versus Athena because Percy's not there, so it's just just everyone bullying the nerd kids basically. Yeah, basically because like, well, are they I sure mean, this the- is war related? <laughs> To be fair, the Athena kids are like hot jocks, as I recall. Oh yeah, actually, that's that was how they were described. Yeah, but they are also nerds, I assume. Mm-hmm. It's, but like everybody is on Poseidon's side, basically. We hear of except for like Athena, mm-hmm. and I what it makes you think like why is that? You know what I mean? I mean, probably because Poseidon keeps saying that he didn't take the fucking lightning bolt. <laughs> And Zeus won't listen, and is just being a dick about it. Honestly, yeah, Zeus is extremely like the worst person in this novel. <laughs> and is Zeus I the mean, villain? Zeus I feel feels like, Zeus like the might villain. be the villain. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of people who feel extremely like villains. One of whom is going to come <laughs> out pretty soon. Mm-hmm. The my theory is that like most of the gods are just tired of Zeus reigning over them. <laughs> They're like, right, World War Three time. Let's let's shake things up a bit. Yeah, they're like, maybe with Poseidon's in charge, we can like actually like take some power over from him or something. <laughs> maybe that's like, like this dumbass washed up surfer bro is not going to be a good king, and we can just do whatever we want. 
that's that's my theory personally i i think that yeah. makes it a lot funnier um <laughs> i want to know what grover and Anne about did to that dude in, in the noisy lincoln yeah yeah there's not even like the implication that they like beat the shit out of him or anything it's just like <laughs> annabeth had a reason that, annabeth destroyed him with facts and logic so he turned down his subwoofer some maybe like it could be like that or like they come back like giggling or something like that from from whatever they did and it makes me think that they like slashed his tires or something (laughs) (laughs) well no but the guy if they'd done that the guy would have followed maybe they just like slashed his tires and killed the dude (laughs) (laughs) that's a little much i (laughs) grover and anna they're secretly like serial killers well, like, that's okay, real... but, but Grover is like he's a pretty hardcore environmentalist. So, like, if someone drives a car, it's basically on site. Yeah, yeah. If you don't, <laughs> uh, if you if you're driving a gas guzzler, Grover will get you. Exactly. So then we get to Aries. This is this is so cool as an entrance. It is like okay. I just want to talk about his bike mm-hmm. because because yeah. we get yeah, there's a, a detail here. There's a really a really funny <laughs> little detail here because we get the description of Aries. He's a very scary biker guy, and it's 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 intimidating. Mm-hmm. But we Percy specifically points out that his bike seat is made of leather. But it's not just any kind of leather. It looks like. Would you like, like me to read the exact quote? Please do. The seat was leather, but leather that looked like, well, Caucasian human skin. <laughs> Aries, honestly, <laughs> I am cheering for him. <laughs> Aries is. His bike seat is made of white people's skin, and that is. Aries just skinned a dude. <laughs> He's skinned a dude or multiple dudes. I have no idea. And that rules so hard. It re- Yeah. Like, Ares is just the most. Yeah, because we get, like, this is our first... This is our first encounter that we know of with, like, a god who is not, like, basically on Percy and everyone's side. Yeah. Like, Dionysus or- is a bit of a dick, but he's not actively out to get them. Yeah, Ares is like, he comes in and everyone gets super pissed off with rules. And Mm -hmm. like, you feel like they feel like the presence of a god by him. And like, he lifts up his glasses and there is a nuclear explosion going on in his empty eye sockets. I love that detail. That's so cool. It's so cool. He is like, this is the perfect description of like a god of war to me. Mm hmm. Speaking of, Percy does is does look like he's about to go full Kratos mode for a second. For, yeah, he like he, this, we predicted this a few weeks ago. <laughs> this twelve year old is so angry. He, <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna kill this old biker man, and Annabeth is like, No, you dumbass! That's Ares, a god. <laughs> also, don't just kill someone in a diner. <laughs> that too. It's. If you've got to introduce a side quest, do it like this. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is just, this is a video game side quest. <laughs> I can see, like, playing, like, the RPG of this. And, like, you go into, like, the <laughs> diner to, like, restore your hit points. And there's, like, a floating arrow above, like, a character. And you're like, 
who is this? And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, like a Celeste character or something. And of course. And he's like, kid, I'm Ares, God of War. Get my shield for me for 50 experience points. <laughs> and it's it's good. It, it is. I do like that it, it does justify, like, why Ares isn't doing it himself, though. Yeah, the... The the like Aphrodite Ares Hephaestus stuff is really funny. It's Hephaestus is just canonically textually a cuck. Yeah, and he's like <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't want to be a cuck. He's not into it really. At least a we coward, don't think. He, honestly, he honestly he probably is. His probably <laughs> he's he's he had he had he literally had like cameras streaming live to olympus what he thought was going to be like public infidelity wait maybe because i was thinking about this like surely showing everyone and telling everyone is the opposite of what you want to do if you are against it yeah it's it's kind of suspicious like because like he, it's like you don't walk around at like your job at the office showing people the live feed of the webcam you have in your bedroom showing your wife boning another guy like that's what he's doing it's incredibly suspicious because like (laughs) the premise they set up is like oh well he's doing it to humiliate the two of them no he's not he's not he's doing it to humiliate himself (laughs) and aphrodite i'm i'm kind of suspect of her choices here honestly yeah, the like, come on. It's foolish of Aphrodite to not want to be with someone who's like canonically good with their hands. Yeah, that is really weird. Yeah, like what's Ares got? A monster cock? Probably. <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, I know that like her options are probably pretty limited, right? Because most of the Greek pantheon are related to each other. Yeah. On the other hand, it's the Greek pantheon. They bone each other all the time. Yeah, and, like, Aphrodite, like, isn't really related to most of them, other than, like, like cousin level, at most. Mm-hmm. Because she's, like, born from, like, the sea foam of, like, Kronos's, like, testicles falling into the sea. Oh god, yeah, she is. <laughs> so she's, like, a cousin, or, like, step... <laughs> step bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. But I, I, I actually I do think that we should stand Aphrodite actually. I do stand Aphrodite a little bit because like the way that Annabeth talks about her is very much like oh that dumb bimbo Aphrodite. So she she is a fellow unwise girl. Yeah, we we are we love Aphrodite, our unwise goddess. It's true. She's the patron of the podcast now. Yes. Oh gosh. <laughs> Speaking of relationships, this is kind of where we get our beginnings of like Annabeth crushing on Percy. Uh, yeah. You seem not so into it. Tell me your thoughts. I'm, I just, uh, it's just nothing about it is objectionable so far, but just it's it's YA romance from the mid two thousands. It tends to fall into like very obnoxious tropes which i'm just not excited to get to all i can hope for is 
a cute romance that isn't like doesn't ruin their characters doesn't like sideline annabeth because i'm i'm just waiting for them to like have a fight and break up in the next book yeah basically and then grover is percy's bro who tells him about like oh bitches be crazy (laughs) i like the idea of grover going like going (laughs) it's like hanging out with percy after this i don't know why but it seems like they should just like part ways after this <laughs> the I I like it so far because like it's an interesting dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. They're 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 the kids of rival gods, but they're forging their own connection despite it all. I mean that that is true. I actually did start raising my eyebrow where like we get the first hints of like oh maybe Percy and Annabeth are going to be a thing, and then immediately in the next fight Annabeth is useless. That's that is true. I I I'm okay. I'm I I'm okay with it. For, it's one of those things. Where it's like I'm okay with it for now. If this, as long as this doesn't form a pattern, it's whatever. I can live with it. Yeah, and the Arachne stuff is like interesting. Um, I mean, yeah. I also am terrified of spiders, so like she's valid. Yeah, like, and it was cool for like hashtag the Greek myth kids or whatever. Like, like I like yeah. the moment. The moment I heard, like, oh, Annabeth is scared of spiders, I was like, oh, Arachne? Because of Arachne? Because her mom cursed the woman who weaved better than her? Hey, yeah, speaking of, hey, Athena, what the fuck? Athena's the worst. Athena did this to Arachne and also fucked up Medusa in this story's version. Yeah, like, it's... Annabeth, you're all the sus. Maybe this is why she allied with Zeus. They're the two biggest dicks honestly yeah like <sighs> like I, I don't know like zeus birthed her from her his head tumor or whatever but like it's assholes find each other it's true speaking of Ares and aphrodite were definitely like banging in this boat right because aphrodite's clothes are still here <laughs> i didn't even think of that oh my god <laughs> but you're right <laughs> I wonder what her scarf does, because we didn't really hear about her scarf before this, did we? No, we, this is like, I don't think we even knew it was here. We get there and it's like, oh, that's also Aphrodite's scarf in there. Mm-hmm. Which, which is like, makes it, I, for one, it makes you wonder like, oh, is the scarf going to be like a cool magic item later? Um, I mean, we do see that it has like some magical properties because it's, it's infused with like love magic mm-hmm. and it makes you think like well, how is that going to come into play and then it's also like hey why are they, why did they just drop all their stuff in this boat <laughs> hey because they were half dressed hey. when they left yeah yeah exactly ah <laughs> uh, aries is like the world's biggest jerk he is like, kudos on the oreos hmm that's like the only worthwhile thing he included in that reward. He gave them twenty bucks. Twenty dollars. Like I know it's the mid two thousands, so that's like that's worth slightly more. That still doesn't seem like it was a lot even then. The, oh, like oh, cool. Twenty bucks. We can buy two CDs to listen to on the way there in our walk in our walkman <laughs> that we don't have. <laughs> like they they thought they needed a hundred dollars when they borrowed it from the camp store. Yeah, and they lost all their money, and now Ares is like, Ares, a literal god, is like, here, have, like, a 20. 
via pizza. Wait, they can't even spend this. They need to like pay their debt to Camp Half Bloods with this money. Yeah, they have to like they have to pay their blood debt, or else <laughs> the, the camp store will come after them. Otherwise, they work in the strawberry fields forever. <laughs> oh, oh god! Percy's run. They've run into so many deadly monsters so fast. Yeah, it's really good though. It is. I'm trying to imagine what two weeks of this would be like for like. The runaway kids when they were like smaller. Oh god, yeah. I guess we're to take from that that like Annabeth like learned how to fight then. Cause she's still kind of a badass now. Mm-hmm. So like that's probably where she got like her field experience. I think that's right. Um Yeah, I think so. And we've got like some interesting mm, my brain is going blank. Um It's okay. we this is part of our brand. This is part of our brand. Sometimes we bimbo fi for a moment. Exactly. Um, Maybe that's what Aphrodite's scarf does. It's full of bimbo gas. Oh my god, I hope so. I don't wear it. <laughs> uh. Um I I like the idea that like Percy feels like he's being bullied by the gods. Because he mm-hmm. is. He very much is. And like that just Again, it's like really nice attention to detail with these characters, like, yeah, of course Percy a kid who has been like picked on for being neurodivergent most of his life would hate being like played around with by the gods like this. Of course, that would really piss him off. Yeah, it's a continuance of the idea of like he's been being pushed around by adults his whole life, and now mm-hmm. he's being pushed on by bigger adults, ultra adults. The the most adult that you can be is being a god, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. They're in this truck on the way to Las Vegas, and it's a really sweet convo. It's a really what? It's a really sweet conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, there's just a lot of opening up and, like, filling in a backstory in ways that, like, show that the characters trust each other more now. Yeah, yeah, because we, we, most of their interactions are usually, like, kind of sarcastic kind of like a lot of one liners there's a lot of quips and one liners that they direct at each other Mm -hmm. it's a bit of a marvel movie sometimes but the it's really nice when they just like feel like you can feel that these kids have built up enough of a relationship over these dangerous days that they are like now i can tell you about my hidden past yeah also, um, thank you for saying that it feels like a bit of a Marvel movie sometimes, because that's made me flash forward in time to the Disney plus Percy Jackson series, which is just going to be written like an MCU movie, isn't it? No, I don't like it. <laughs> Jane, don't make me think about it. You made me think about that. That's because I had to. It was my duty and my job <laughs> and my honor. It was my honor on the line. <laughs> <sighs> Not to be like this, but I'm sorry for saying it. I'm actually not sorry. <laughs> but the, all of like Percy's prophetic dreams are are much better than any Harry Potter prophetic dream. I I think I actually wrote this like several chapters ago and then just forgot to say it. But like, thank God that he has a prophetic dream and then doesn't immediately forget it the second he wakes up. Yeah, he doesn't forget it, and it's not like he, like, 
it's not like it's not like just some like random plot bs it like it's he's, no, he's not ha- watching a cutscene. he's not watching a cutscene. he's been having these i mean he kind of is but he's like he's been having these dreams since the beginning so it's like established that like percy has prophetic dreams well it's not i mean because he's interacting with them and like mm. the the people in the dream are reacting to the fact that he can see them yeah that's true i was thinking of like that very first dream when he was just like watching an eagle and a horse fight okay but, yeah that's fair but like you're right but even then that's, these are, that's like, cool and metaphorical extremely but any and you're right because even then like a lot of the most of the later ones are like percy is like being talked to by a mysterious voice in a pit <laughs> or like being talked to by thought yeah uh i think there's also like again just building up on luke is absolutely the villain the fact that this like accomplice that's talking to the crooked one like specifies oh yeah i stole the um i stole the lightning bolt which is you know that's one of the things that hermes does and that's something that luke has told us about Mm. yeah like he's we have a god of theft here exactly and (laughs) <laughs> this didn't even occur to me, but yeah, of course, the god, it, it would make sense for the god of theft's kid to be a thief. Exactly. Why is no one considering this? <laughs> I mean, I guess because of the politics of it, right? They they don't care about Hermes having a kid. They care about Poseidon having a kid. Exactly. I think Hermes, throughout this whole thing, because we haven't heard what he's doing or who he's aligned with, he has gone the he's gone to ground because he knows that as soon as like as soon as someone remembers he exists, he's fucked. He they'll suspect him immediately. Yeah, like <laughs> if I was if I was a Greek god up on Olympus and I heard like someone stole I'd like, where's Hermes? <laughs> and it's like and like it'd be hard to find him because he's also like the god of the roads or whatever, but like he spends a few months playing IRL, American Truck Simulator, and then comes back when everyone's calmed down. I like the idea that Hermes is moving the funny trucks along the road. Occasionally he makes <laughs> them crash into each other. Ah, <laughs> uh, Las Vegas. Vegas. It's Vegas, baby. We're here in the LV. And I... I need to play more Fallout New Vegas. Is that... I guess that would be set in, New Ve- in Las Vegas, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I had no. I didn't think of that ever. Is that a good game? <laughs> uh, I'm enjoying it so far, and also yes, I only realized that. Oh yeah, this is just normal ass Las Vegas. When I watched the opening cutscene and saw that they just put a board over Las and put new on it. <laughs> That's extremely funny. I'm the... gonna be pissed if I can't visit the Lotus Flower Casino in that game. Okay, the Lotus Hotel and Casino. <laughs> it's first of all, they should have known better. Yeah, I I mean, I feel like it's justified enough, right? Like, they are so tired and s- just, it's boiling, they've just run away from a truck, and they just want to go inside. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Annabeth or Grover or someone was like, oh, Lotus, just like the Lotus Eaters from the Odyssey, but... Oh, I had no idea that this was like, I, I figured it should, it must be a reference, but I didn't know what it was a reference to. Yeah, okay, so to explain, I guess, for the listeners a little bit, it's a reference mm-hmm. to, like, the Odyssey, where uh, Odysseus and his buddies uh, wash up on an island for, like, food and such, and everyone's like, yeah, man, you can just eat, stay here, eat, and try some of our local lotuses. 
they're really tasty and like like almost all of his crew like stays behind because they're hypnotized by the lotus eaters basically oh, into staying there forever. Okay. Yeah. Wait a second. Uh-huh. Odysseus like I I I don't know a lot about the Odyssey. I know that he was like favored by Athena. Mhm. Annabeth absolutely should have known better. She should have known she better. She has no but... excuse. I guess it's like you said. And I I almost feel like was there a line where she was like this is kind of suspicious, but not really. Um, we do, we just hear Percy say like, and I think it's that they are like immediately in a trance because Percy sees the guy at the door and says, uh, "You just couldn't tell who was a monster, but this guy was normal. One look at him, and I could see." So he's just like yeah. immediately hypnotized. Very much so. Um... And, I mean, I guess they're not monsters. They're just, like, normal magic people who live forever and want everyone to be in their weird lotus cult. But I think that's that's one of the things I really like about the um, Lotus Hotel and Casino. Is, like, at the end, when they're leaving, it's, they don't, like, turn into monsters and try to keep them there or anything. Like, this place isn't inherently evil. It's just doing its thing. Yeah, like, and honestly, I would live here. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... If it, Listen. I mean, the the through line of this episode so far, I think, has been bimbofication and getting to live forever in in paradise. Basically, the same you, thing, I think. God, yeah. Um, <laughs> I like I like seeing them like all get sucked up into their own little games that they do. Grover's little like reverse deer hunting game is absolutely hysterical. I love it. It honestly is, and it also kind of like. When when Percy goes to like wake him up and Grover starts like shooting the gun at him, yeah, it's honestly kind of like. And to clarify for the listeners, it's not it's a it, it is an arcade gun. It's not shooting bullets at Percy, mm-hmm. but it's honestly kind of like oh no, Grover, like he's yeah. It's like it it shows how hypnotized he is while also still being quite funny, extremely. And Annabeth is just like doing her boring, actually kind of fun-sounding city-building game. Annabeth is playing City Skylines. Yeah. <laughs> She's got early access to it in 2006. Yeah, um, they have all the- they had, like, Half-Life 3 in there. <laughs> Percy's just sitting down, he's playing Halo Reach with this dude from the 70s. Yeah, he's like, far out, man. <laughs> I, I love to listen to the Beatles and Percy's like this is normal until he's like wait his clothes are weird I think it is like it's a well set up like reveal mm-hmm. for sure but like it just becomes more and more apparent that oh no this is this is a bad place to be we need to go it's harrowing right because like the moment you realize like somebody is in here from the 70s who thinks they've been in here for like a week their family's That's... dead yeah their family's dead and also, like, how long have we been in here? Yeah. I, d- I do want to point out that, like, one of the red flags is that the dude from the 70s says bad vibes. And if yeah. we went into the Lotus Hotel and Casino today, that would not be a red flag and we'd get trapped there forever. No, absolutely not. <laughs> we would say, like, this guy is gay and he likes to wear weird clothes. <laughs> he might be. Um, Again, rec- Greek, Greek myth. This is our representation. Um. <laughs> I also like that go- going on from like the the hotel being like 
a neutral concept. It's not like inherently evil. Is it like we don't get wow? Look at all these weak-minded fools just sitting in here playing their video games. It's like oh no, these people are just like having a good time, and don't and have had like the the ability to be able to tell that they've been here for a while removed. So like yeah, why wouldn't they just chill here for a while? Yeah, it's it's like sad, but not sad in the way that it's like like Black Mirror or something like that. Yeah, it's not like it's not society as a phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which you would almost expect it to turn into after being like the mist is technology yeah but, we've yeah we've gotten a little bit like that and i'm glad this didn't lean into it yeah it's it's got like i guess the themes of this book that i'm picking up on are like stay connected to the world you mm-hmm. know yeah i, I can definitely see that yeah and we get that with like the environmentalism stuff we get that with like um kind of like the mist as an idea it's it's interesting and i think the lotus hotel and casino um it's a really good like setting for a non-monster conflict i was i do think it's kind of interesting for like an urban fantasy book about entering like this fantastical world to have that theme of like stay in touch with like real life i think it's like this isn't presented as like escapist fiction in a way it it kind of is it's a bit of a power fantasy but like this sucks for percy he's not having a good time yeah the book starts with hey if you think you're a demigod shut up about it (laughs) (laughs) do not tell anyone (laughs) yeah and i i think in a way that makes sense because of like how like the story's origins is like a story rick told his kids Mm mm-hmm you want to have some good, nice morals in there, not just exactly. like, isn't it? Wouldn't it be so cool to be Harry Potter? Wouldn't God it be damn so, it! <laughs> wouldn't it be so cool to be Katniss Everdeen or whatever? Well, to be fair, Katniss also does go through it. That's that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely get so... what you mean about the Harry Potter thing. Of yeah, like, wouldn't yeah. it be cool to be the chosen one and the best wizard ever, who gets and... to fight the bad guy and win for goodness and slave owning? And the and the answer presented here is no, it sucks. <laughs> With, which like isn't a new concept, obviously, but it's I yeah. like to see it. It's it's definitely one of the better ways of doing like a chosen one story. It's more interesting. Yeah, and I think when you're doing a chosen one story and the specific way that this is done, it's it works because it doesn't feel like there's this there's it doesn't feel like there's this grand destiny it feels like percy is being messed about with by cosmic forces i mean even like the giver of destiny the oracle of delphi is fucking with him and not telling him everything he needs to know yeah right like uh, the oracle could be like hades probably isn't the real villain there's actually some other guy don't trust luke don't <laughs> but <laughs> Well, she just straight up knows it's Luke, right? She says, you know, a friend will betray you. Yeah. She doesn't say it's Luke. And then the the river spirit is like, don't trust the gifts. Not like, <laughs> don't trust your friend Luke. I don't trust it. He hadn't been trusting the gifts. He hadn't been wearing the shoes or considering it. Yeah. Um, although this could be an interesting red herring because the other gift he gets is the pen. Ooh. I was thinking the red herring might be like the lotus cash card. Hmm. 
That too. There's a lot. Percy gets a lot of gifts. Most of them are trustworthy. <laughs> Most of them are terrible and are trying to kill him. Yeah. It's like, a two to one ratio so far. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think one of the most interesting pe- points of like, you might not catch one of the thing. One of the most interesting like little things that's like, it doesn't really stick out. But if you think about it for a moment, it's like, oh, this is definitely the case. Ares mm. definitely set them up to go to this casino. Did he? Because like he sent them to Las Vegas. Oh yeah, he may. I don't, I don't know. I guess you could read it a couple of ways. Of like, he's either sending them here to fuck with them for his own purposes, or he's a dick and he doesn't care about telling them what kind of dangers are in Las Vegas. Yeah, and and my read of it is that like, I I think kind of like what I said before, like about um Ares, like he would benefit from a big war. Yeah, that's that's true. That makes a lot of sense. So I'm I'm definitely on team Ares is definitely a villain right now. Um mm-hmm. and he he planned it or at least like planned for them to get caught there for like a week to try and ruin their plans, or maybe forever. And he also sent them to a dangerous place <laughs> a t- dangerous tunnel of love. He did. So there's a lot here that's like hmm kind of suspicious. Uh I like the um Ares is also kind of a 9-11 truther. Uh-huh. Sure, framing somebody to start a war. Oldest trick in the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that's and, like, real, this was only a, This was only a few years later. I mean, yeah, obviously, like, the Nazis did shit like that all the time. Yeah. And Back also, to- like, Bush did that with Iraq. <laughs> With nine eleven, <laughs> but but yeah, the um, like that's that's the he's right. That is the oldest trick in the book, and hey, like, he's he's correct. It just has a certain connotation it has when you're writing it in two thousand and six. Yeah, it 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 feels very Bush did nine eleven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ambrosia cannot melt steel beams. <laughs> Ambrosia is the food, isn't it? I'm uh, yeah. Ne- nectar is the drink. Mm. I, because they have like the ambrosia cubes or whatever, I think here. Oh, do they? Maybe that could be a future book. Um, uh, I thought that was one of the supplies that they got sent with. Um, well, they lost all their supplies in the bus. Exactly. <laughs> I think, like, as a device to ratchet up the tension, making them lose a week in the casino is just such a good way of like, oh shit, oh shit, <laughs> we've got so much to do and no time to do it. We're all gonna die. They were making really good pace beforehand. Exactly. I was like, that was one of the only things they had going for them. Like, they were out of supplies, they kept getting the shit kicked out of them by monsters, but they were getting there quickly, and now even that is gone. Yeah, and I think that, like, part of what makes that effective is that, like, it really doesn't feel like they can do this in a day. Well, yeah, because they they need to go to Hades. They also need to hit Santa Monica Beach before they go there. Mm Mm-hmm. From Las Vegas, and that seems like a little bit too much for like that's going to be a long day if they're mm-hmm. able to do that somehow. I, I like a, like the fool I am. I kept reading for like a page before I realized I was actually done with, for these chapters. So I actually got to the bit where they get to where they figure out how to get to Los Angeles, and it is very funny. Oh, okay. I'm excited. But I, I will reserve discussion for next week. Yeah, this, these were good chapters. I they I liked were. them a lot. They were meaty you can really bite into them i mean the stuff that we haven't even covered like most of the stuff with the animals in the truck 
which was funny. It was very funny and actually kind of It nice. was. Yeah, it's just more of that, like, environmentalism um, through line that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, and we got, and there's stuff with, like, I don't know, they're, like, they're, they had, like, a lot of conversations that were, like, meaningful and important, but, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, this is a good book. It is. It's a really strong start for, like, the series. I'm really interested to see, like, how these change and evolve as they go on. I agree. Like, is this, is this gonna take a terrible turn by, like, book five? I hope not. <laughs> Let's go into our segment. We have a segment? <laughs> Every week you say we have a segment, and then I say oh, evidence God. that Percy Jackson is trans. It's true. I think... As of last week, we we talked about, like, Percy Jackson is not cishet. Mm-hmm. And I feel like these segments are going to be a lot easier if we just expand that to the definition permanently. You're right, you're right. Uh, what I've got is just, like, when Percy is talking to Luke, and he, uh, what is it? It felt so good to see him, to feel like I was back at camp even for a few minutes, that I didn't even realise how long I had talked until the beef went off on the spray machine. And, like, he clearly has a crush on Luke, right? He extremely has a crush on Luke. <laughs> it was so obvious when he was like, I blushed when Luke came up to me, and yeah. oh, he was he's so cute, you know? like Yeah, by itself, I don't think this paragraph would indicate that as much, but with the added context of literally him, him blushing when Luke turned up. Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think you can really deny it. My evidence for this week is that Percy is vilified by society. <laughs> ouch i mean true but it's a little too real in here i think we gotta open these windows look to the bright sky and maybe say our goodbyes for now uh if you'd like to reach the show with some questions or comments that you may have you can uh drop us an email at unwisegirlspod at gmail.com or just hit us up on Twitter at UnwiseGirls. Yeah, you can also find me on Twitter at SwampDuchess, one word. Or you can find Jane. Uh, you can find me walking my dog in the park. But don't the look one too close to at you. it. <laughs> you come, come and say hello. It might be a scary chihuahua. Yes, you can uh, find me walking my pet chihuahua slash chimera in the park. <laughs> it sounded like the same thing, you fool. Uh, if you want, it would be so sweet of you to leave us a rating, five stars, on wherever you're listening. And Please, we, we would still like people to quote tweet Donald Trump in their reviews. That's that's true. If you can remember <laughs> a Donald Trump if you, if you can remember a Donald Trump tweet that you just like want to shout out as being like really stupid, you can do that in our ratings. Yeah. It doesn't have to be exact. You can basically like commit libel and just say that he said whatever. If you know a friend who might like the podcast, uh, recommend it to them. Yeah, we're nice. We are. We won't. We won't bite. Yeah. Too much. Uh, <laughs> and we also have a Patreon. Uh, we don't have like the tiers quite worked out quite yet, but it'll be pretty cheap. Um, if you want. Maybe some Please bonus give us money. If you want if you want to help us out, and we might figure out some bonus content later, I'm sure. Some yeah. bonus episodes and such. You can go to Unwise Girls Nope. You can go to <laughs> patreon.com slash unwise girls. Hell yeah. And as we always say at the end of every episode. And as we always say at the end of every episode, 
See you next week, Camp Half Blood. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. Bye. Bye. Bye.